Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. This is episode 206. We are recording this on Sunday, January 8th, 2023. It is about 3.40 p.m. Pacific time. I'm Terry. We've got Todd. We've got Zach. And we've got Adam for a little while. He's going to be on to start, and he's going to finish us off with some trivia at the end. How's it going, guys? It's good, man. It feels like I've already been recording for like 30 minutes. So it's been, know, it's been a solid morning. Yeah, yeah I don't know why don't, my drink don't, is don't like break the, third the, the, empty now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> we, we recorded trivia to start our episode, and then but you'll hear it at the end. Uh, I'm sorry, I broke, I broke the... Uh, you broke the, the mystery of it. Yeah, the, the disbelief in there. That's okay. How are you doing, Zach? (laughs) Oh, I'm doing great. I'm just celebrating last night's, uh, you know, Golden Globe Awards when uh, Tar swept everything and, you know, uh, everything everywhere all at once and Elvis didn't win anything. It was a great night. (laughs) I actually threw down some money the other day on on, uh, Anna de Armas winning Best Actress at 10 to 1, which I was really excited when she actually did win. Yeah. That was a pretty great. How about Emma Thompson beating out uh, Michelle Yeoh and uh, Kate Blanchett? I didn't see that coming. Yeah, how, that, that how definitely she comes gonna, after did she switch you, the uh... category. <laughs> well, I, that's what people and... thought too. It was pretty <laughs> unlikely. But listen, listen. I think the moment of the night was when Daniel Craig went on stage and slapped Adam Driver. I don't think anyone was ex- expecting that moment <laughs> for the Best Actor award. Oh man. So yeah, we are recording on Sunday. The Globes happen on Tuesday, and it w- it will be, I'm sure, a spectacle uh, for a lot of different reasons. But uh, uh, and we're we're in the middle of watching how NFL playoff seating all wraps up. It's interesting. We recorded our last podcast like we signed off our recording as Monday Night Football was starting last week, and as the Bills and Bengals game was starting, and it was what maybe. Zach, like 10, 15 minutes after we signed off that the uh, the DeMar Hamlin uh, yeah, it's crazy. injury happened and like NFL changed for the rest of the week. Are you asking me? I don't, yeah. I don't remember. Was it? Okay. It had to be. It had to be, right? Uh, Pretty close to it. If I don't know. Both of you remember. went to work after that as, <laughs> as far yeah, as that's I know. True. Uh, I was cooking dinner, remember. but it happened while it was while I was doing that. Yes, it, w- it was very quick after we we got we signed off. Like movies, I get assigned. It's probably a bad idea to ask me about history, but yes, it was uh, a major event. Yeah, but All listen, right, well, in the Bills Chiefs AFC title game, where what city should they have? Vegas. It? There's I, no I, other answer. It's Vegas. It. They're not going to put it there. They're going to put it in Indy. Because it's ha- it's about as close They're to halfway between Buffalo city, and Kansas like, City that, that nobody wants to travel to. They're gonna well, put it, it's gonna say, either be Florida or or Vegas. No, they're gonna they're, if they're t- they're they're gonna put it somewhere locally so, where that that you could convince is locally for the two fan bases. What about like Miami? That's pretty equidistant, but in like the other direction. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna, I I agree. If you're gonna go all out, you go with Vegas or something like that, but. I think it's going to end up being indie just to make travel easier for everybody. 
Indianapolis well, High School. It would be crazy to put in Vegas because that would give you a good glimpse of what it'd be like when they put the Super Bowl there eventually. Like, because it'll be a monster game if the that two of them are playing. Point. Maybe they go to Munich. They've, they've <laughs> got to be announcing this soon, right? Like, this is where it will be if it happens. Because no, you can't just you can't just announce wait. it. You can't announce it like. The sure games happen on Sunday, and then on Monday you say, "Okay, here's where we're gonna play in five days." You can't well, I mean, do but that. It's the same. You don't know if you're where you're playing until the week before, anyway, in any playoff series. Yeah, but you're you're gonna have no fans. Doesn't this sound like the premise to a really shitty Netflix movie? I couldn't you see like you know Kevin James as a football coach, and he's trying to figure out where the game's gonna be played, and then the the, the whole pitch is that it ends up in like a high school field. No, the Netflix movie is the road trip that the super fans take to get to the game in time for it to start. And they're all eight-year-old women. What the hell is up for that 80 for Brady movie? I leaned over at the Babylon thing. I was like, I think I put a a Tom Brady biopic in my predictions for this next decade. I'm kind (laughs) of correct. That article that I wrote like (laughs) way back when. I put a Tom Brady biopic in there. Uh, Kind of true. All right. let's Let's get into talking about movies. We'll see how football all figures itself out. And by the time this comes out, we'll know what the playoffs look like. I might even know where this game's going to be, and we'll know who won the Golden Globes. Uh, Zach, is it still dry January? It's still dry January. Agua Fria? Mm-hmm. Very nice. Todd, what do you got? Uh, this is a uh, – it's, well, it's watermelon margarita mix and tequila. I don't think that actually makes it a margarita because there's no lime in it, but it actually is pretty good. And there's ice in there. And I'm drinking out of my Seattle Theater, theater Group cup. So in case I spill it, it's not actually going to spill. Nice. Smart. Nice. I'm just planning it. That's just good sense. I'm just planning ahead right there. <laughs> Adam, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I just got some water. What? So. You were drinking Mountain Dew on our... Well, I was. I already, I, it, I already <laughs> finished it. So there's some Mountain Dew. <laughs> All right. I've got... This is a local uh, Portland brewery, Migration Brewing. And it's their Hop Fire... IPA. That's a cool so, can. Lots of it's very cool can. double double IPA. Oops. Yeah, yeah double. I, I think that yeah, double IPA. It, it just says I IPA. I don't know if that means it's a double IPA, but it is eight percent, so it might be a, nice. a full double IPA. And we're gonna see your ID for that there, Terry. Yeah, seriously. All right, let's talk about what we've been watching and go from there. So for that, we are going to start today with Zach. All right, oh, so please, uh, please, please. This is the movie that I was hoping we would review as a group, but you guys yeah. are too lame. Yeah. I saw an awesome movie that uh, everybody in the world should see. It's called Megan or yes. M3 Gan. <laughs> it's also known. Uh, Megan is uh, the movie it that everybody seven thing with the title there. That's true. Uh, it is uh, the movie that you've seen trailers for. It's the it's everybody's favorite January release. You know it, you love it. It stars Allison Williams, aka every every everyone's favorite white woman to hate. Um, she plays not uh, not Marnie, but she plays a character named Gemma, and uh, she mm. in this movie is a um, scientist slash kind of robotics expert who works at a toy company. And at the beginning of the movie, she learns that uh, her uh, sister and brother-in-law have died in a tragic accident, and so she basically becomes a foster parent to their their daughter played by Violet McGraw and her name is Katie and uh, as she is a scientist who specializes in toys she is working on this prototype called Megan which is a 
doll that is able to communicate and may actually not only be sentient, but also be may also be sadistic. That should have been like the, the, the tagline. They should have come to me with that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this is, you know, ex machina, but it's also Chucky. And it's also, you know, all those bring the bring the seemingly friendly creature home and let it play with the kids until it starts killing people. And I got to tell you, this movie was awesome. I mean, from the very start, it was just like it's the perfect kind of January movie because you can't take it really seriously. The acting is over the top. And the writing is a little ridiculous, but it's so fun. And, you know, we've been through three, three, four months now of Oscar season, and we have to sit through these really long movies. You know, we have to sit through, like, The Whale, for example, or, you know, uh, Tar and all these other movies, some of which are really good movies. But, you know, they tend to be very serious, thoughtful movies. This is just a fun movie. And seeing it in the theater with a bunch of people uh, laughing out loud at the screen, seeing the terrible shit of this doll using a machete to to swipe people's heads and and you know kill them and throw children onto the streets so they get hit by cars. By the way, this is a PG thirteen movie. This is one of the most like violent PG thirteen movies I've ever seen. I love that this movie goes as far as it goes, and I can't believe that it got away with some of the stuff it gets away with. Total blast! Absolutely love this movie. I can't believe I'm saying this, but maybe it's just my glee. I'm giving it three and a half stars. I love yeah. it. It was so fun. I wish you guys had seen it. Maybe Adam saw it, but it is honestly the best time I've had at the movies in, it feels like years. It feels like a bandaid has been ripped off when I finally don't have to take movies so goddamn seriously and just have fun the way that movies should be fun. Oh God, I cannot wait till top tens for 2003 movies come or 2023 movies come out and we see Megan number 10. No existential questions about the future of cinema. No love letters to cinema. No long diatribe. Nothing two hours and 45 minute bullshit. This is a great 95 minute slasher doll (laughs) movie and it's everything you want. It totally delivers. Great. I love I love seeing Terry and Todd utterly defeated in the, the, the images. I thought about I thought about and Zach and I were just like having a blast. I thought about seeing this one. There was just too much to see at the at the movies, so I I, I saw two other movies this weekend at the theater, and uh, one was good and one sucked. So, I'll, uh... well, I mean these these January releases, yeah, some of them get good reviews, but then they're eventually looked at as like garbage by the end. Like no, it's not gonna be on anybody's like mid year top five or anything. Like I mean, it's just one of those movies that's really good in the time because you're like Zach said, you're thirsting for something different than what we're seeing for the last two months, and then it's like, oh yeah, that was just some like lame horror movie i saw in january okay there's definitely that i will confess however i will also say i actually think this is a pretty legitimately good movie like the acting is really good in it it's convincing it's never boring it's never indulgent never does more than it needs to do it's like really entertaining so what's the january release that is the opposite of that like the one that actually tried to be something different it's got to be like the most the one thing i always think of is like freedom writers that's gonna be the weirdest january release of all time right yeah and that's a that's a good point. Yeah, could be the movie we're reviewing today. Well, well technically, that's a that's a late twenty twenty two movie. Yeah. So, Freedom Riders was like the first weekend of January. It was the first time we really saw it in theaters. It was. <laughs> what about the three five five? Didn't that come out in January? It yeah, did. That was last year. That was that was, a, that was last year's first weekend. All right, yeah. I'll go next. So yeah, like I said, I saw uh, I saw a couple movies in theaters. I'm not going to talk about those, but yeah, one one was one was good and one was not, um, and uh, yeah, that was that. But I do have my first Oscar movie of the new year to report on. So uh, now now we're all year. It's going to be 2013, 2003, and 1993 movies. And for the first one, it is a 1993 movie. 
Mm. It is a really weird one. It is a lone best director nominee from 1993. Mm. Like that was its only nomination was best director. Oh, uh, shortcuts. How did you even watch that? I had not watched Shortcuts. Well, how, how how did you watch it? Like how? It's, never, I, it's never streaming anywhere. I got the Criterion copy from the library. Okay. Yep. So it's on yeah. video somewhere. Shortcuts, written and directed by Robert Altman. Nice that you had three hours extra time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Coming extra from the guy who said, hey, I don't have any time to watch I, anything I this time. weekend. I'm going to go to the movies and watch a crappy horror movie. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is a cast that goes on forever. Uh, just a few, Andy McDowell, Julianne Moore, Tim Robbins, Bruce Davison, Jack Lemon, Matthew Modine, and Archer Fred Ward, Jennifer Jason Lee, Chris Penn, Lily Taylor, Robert Downey Jr., Madeline Stowe. Uh, I'm probably missing some that aren't on the main screen here on IMDb, but it's a huge cast. And it is uh, just one of those kind of slice of life, interlocking storylines where you've got a bunch of different stuff going on. They all kind of, you know, intersect. Some of the highlights... Uh, Tim Robbins is a cop is it, it, his character is a lot of fun. Oh, Francis McDormand. I don't know if I said Francis McDormand. She's in this too, along with uh, Peter Gallagher. Um, Julianne Moore. That, I think Julianne. Yeah. I said Julianne Moore. Oh, okay. uh, their storylines are interesting there. There's some <clears throat> fun storylines. There's also some really like deep and dark and, and uh, messed up storylines like the storyline with Lily Tomlin hitting a kid with a car. Um, <laughs> it is. Uh, oh, and, and Lily Tomlin married to Tom Waits, who's also in this movie. I, it, it is, a, like I said, huge cast. Um, it reminded me and that it had to be the inspiration for a film like Magnolia. Uh, I see a lot of Magnolia in this and Paul Thomas Anderson and was uh, his, his hero was Robert Altman. So he had to be looking at this, especially in how and how it ends. And there's kind of this like unifying event that that uh, that ties everything together at the end. Um, yeah, uh, three and a half stars. This movie is, is a blast. It's one of those where you're watching and you're like, nothing really happens, but you can't help but love the fact that nothing's happening. And you just kind of sit back and enjoy watching the chaos of all these characters. And it, it's great. So three and a half stars for shortcuts. I love shortcuts for me. It's a four star movie. I actually rewatched it within the last couple of years. It's a great, great movie. I would have loved to have done a deep dive on it, so screw you, Terry. But I'm glad you watched it. And uh, I think who wins the movie, Terry? If if you had to give an MVP, just real fast, I, I Jack Lemon for me is up there because he has an unbelievable monologue. Uh, Lily Tomlin is great in it. Julianne Moore. A lot of people say that she wins the movie because she has a scene with you know some nudity in it that is pretty mm -hmm. shocking. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Oh man, Jennifer Jason Lee is amazing in it too. Jennifer Jason Lee is great. Uh. I don't. I kind of like Peter Gallagher and uh, how he completely trashes his ex-wife's house mm -hmm. uh, while she's out of town. Like that whole that Robert whole Downey Jr. Thing, also in it. You forgot Robert. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. has a has a great uh, great bit in there. Uh, yeah, there's Fred also Ward and his fishing buddies. That's a fascinating little side plot that's which going was, on. Did you know that was turned into a feature-like movie called Jindabin? Uh, oh, that, interesting. That, that plot from the Raymond Carver short story. If we had, a, have we ever done a power ranking of top five most shocking deaths? There is a death in that movie that I would put in my top five most shocking deaths. You know what I'm talking about, Terry? Yeah, that so. that came out of nowhere, and that's a great scene too. But yeah, great movie, great choice, Terry. Yep. 
it was it was great. It was great. I'm glad I I'm glad I uh it, it, it started the year off right. All right. We are gonna go to Todd next. What'd you watch? Uh I watched one of the uh frontrunners for the best documentary feature award this year. It's called All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Oh nice. by oh. Laura Poitras. Yeah, uh, it too. is um follows Nan Golden, who is the uh and she is at least for some of it the subject of the movie. It starts out with a uh, being sort of an indictment on the Sackler family, which is like the pharmaceutical moguls. And uh, it leads to, or they lead like ad campaigns that are misleading. They regularize the sale and use of opioids, uh, largely responsible basically for the epidemic that plagues so many. And uh, Golden was one of them. She chronicles her experiences uh, in the first part of the movie, turning to eventually much harder and more serious uh, and dangerous alternatives. Then the movie becomes strictly about her and her art and her advocacy group. It's really interesting for about 45 minutes because it, it is sort of, it feels really revolutionary and engaging um, and almost enraging watching uh, wa- watching her pretty much attack and uh, and expose the the Sackler family. But then it becomes pretty standard once it calms down. It's just about her and her protests. Like, it, it isn't bad. It's just, it's, it, it, she is a, actually a really compelling figure to follow and listen to. Uh, but I just wish it had been more pointed. It, it, it's billed as being like a battle between, you know, Purdue Pharma and the Golden and her groups. But it, it really it comes up short of that eventually. It's a good movie. I don't think it should be the Oscar front runner. Uh, it's a three star movie, but uh, it probably it probably feels like the, the winner eventually. Yeah, I watched this actually this week, too, con- uh, coincidentally. Uh, yeah, I feel like this is like three different. Like this would have been a really good like documentary series, docu series, because there's like three different really like parts to it. So that's kind of I'm at three. I'm at three stars as well. It's very interesting, and there's some really kind of hard hitting like imagery in there too. So I don't know. I don't feel like it's it's like the front runner. It shouldn't be, but it probably will will be the winner like Todd's yeah it's cleaning up everywhere so I, I assume it probably is going to win and it does sort of feel like the thing that they go for it just says it's not really my thing yeah I wouldn't count out Descendant I think this because you know it has the Obama name with it and it's on Netflix I feel like that and it's on the short list along with this film too but that I I don't know I, I that could be an upset Fire of Love could pull out an upset too but that's archival footage which the academy doesn't like very much but it did make the short list yeah i know all the beauty and the bloodshed has been getting a lot of a lot of uh, notoriety it's been getting a lot of uh a lot of pub ever since it it was the only film this year that hit venice toronto and new york film festivals um and that's usually you know you're pushing to get awards attention if you do that and it was the only one that did usually there's a couple others that do but well, after the Octopus also... movie, it doesn't really matter with that That's anymore. That's a valid point. <laughs> but that year, they stick up saying that 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 one this year is Good Night Op or Good Night Oppie, and that one uh, didn't get shortlisted even. So, right, who knows? All right, Adam, what'd you watch? All right, well, I am gearing up for my first daily notes, so that's why there's nothing this week for it. But 1993 is what we're talking about next week. So, uh, I did watch, you know, Son-in-Law, Polly Shores. Uh, 1993 classic so that's gonna be my for next week's uh, episode but nice. i did watch a movie for this week it kind of ties into smart weaving i watched her new movie that was on hulu called the valet with a a, um, a eugenia derbez as well and Mar- max greenfield he's basically playing uh smit from new girl in here but essentially what this movie is about <laughs> is that we see smart weaving and uh, max's characters uh 
kind of have this, uh, or sorry, Samara Weaving plays this kind of um, actress here. Her name is Olivia Allen. She's trying to get publicity for her new movie, Earhart, where she plays Amelia Earhart. And she's kind of having a kind of uh, forbidden relationship with Max Greenfield's uh, kind of powerful Finston Royce character. He's married. And so they're having this affair off camera and then they have an argument and discussion and they go out and they kind of bump into uh you hanging your defense's character who's a valet and they're paparazzi so to cover up their love affair they kind of hire Derbez to play like the in being in a relationship with uh olivia allen here and it's a really fun chemistry i really like Derbez and uh samara weaving of course so i thought a lot of the humor was really funny uh it's probably not the best movie, but I thoroughly enjoyed just the comedic nature of the two characters. I thought Samara Weaving being something that wasn't kind of overly like violent was different. I don't know how that was going to translate, but I think she does a really good job. Another, um, you know, Amelia Earhart performance there. So that's uh, interesting. Um, I also want to point out that uh, Carmen Salanis, who plays uh, Derbez's mom in this film, actually passed away shortly after the film. Uh, this film came out and her relationship with her, um, their resident here is really, just really good. I, I thoroughly liked it. I'm at three stars with it, but I probably enjoyed it a lot more than most people because of, uh, and weaving in there. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, it was an enjoyable watch. My, my wife and I had a lot of fun watching it. So the valet on Hulu, it's a remake too, by the way. So nice. It looks like a French movie. Yeah, it's from a French movie. I thought it was really cool too. Is that there? Uh, there's a scene where the mother character, um, who is Carmen Salas, they were watching a film, an old like Spanish film, and it's actually one of her old movies that she used to be in. So that it, it was pretty, uh, pretty cool. It was a really good tribute to her, like it's a tribute in the movie too. So that her character was really nice. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Very good. Very good. So yeah, there we go. All right. Mar Weaving well, MVP. There, yep, exactly. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, that is what we've been watching. And uh, Adam has been around for this part. He'll be back at the end for our trivia. And now we're going to move into our featured review. Yep. I'm going to get a Mountain Dew now so I can pay that joke there off. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I love this movie so much. I did not really like this film at all. This is the most Zach movie ever made. You got to see it. Movie reviews. All right. For our featured review this week, we are watching a uh, one of the last 2022 movies that, that uh, was released. It just came out this weekend on Netflix, and it is entitled The Pale Blue Eye. Is it true? You once elicited a confession with nothing more than piercing look. With enough patience, a suspect will often interrogate himself. Detective Landor, one of our cadets, hanged himself last night. That's the matter for the coroner. I'm afraid that's not the end of it. His heart was carved from his chest. What type of fella could do this? You'd have to be a bad man. Needed to decipher this. Rumor has it there are instructions for immortality. Someone there? 
I need you to discreetly infiltrate the conductor. What is this? Blood, symbols, rituals. Oh my lord. Man will do most anything to cheat death. Where are the facts? Where are the simple facts? The truth! I believe the dead haunt us because we love them too little. No close to finding who's responsible for this than we were a month ago. We are closer. It's only a matter of time. I'm going to start talking about this one. This is written and directed by Scott Cooper. Uh, and it stars Christian Bale, Harry Melling, Jillian Anderson, Lucy Boynton, and Robert Duvall. I didn't know he was still making movies. Yeah, uh, I think it, he, he just yeah. turned like 92 or something. Yeah, he looked uh, every bit of it, too. He did. He did. But it, it's just great to, that he still is you know, active enough to be able to pull something like that off. Anyways. This is a uh, a murder mystery that uh, surrounds um, West Point in the 1830s, I think. Uh, Christian Bale plays a uh, a world weary detective who they hire to try and un- uncover the mystery of a uh, of a cadet who. At first looked like he hung himself, but there had been some tampering with his body that made him made them think that something else is going on and he may have been murdered. And so uh, through the process of uh, of Christian Bale's character, Augustus Landor, uh, through his process, he uh, uncovers uh, an interesting cadet who uh, is uh, interested in helping him investigate and he brings him in. It is Edgar Allan Poe, uh, played by Harry Melling. You also have some uh, some other supporting parts from uh, characters like uh, Simon, Mc- Simon McBurney, Timothy Spall, Toby Jones. Uh, this movie, it it's uh, it it starts and you kind of feel like, OK, this is kind of a standard murder mystery and it kind of plays out that way. Um, it's it's pretty dark at the same time. Like this kind of feels like it could have been like. You fast forward like 150 years. This is this is something that that Will Graham solves with the help of Hannibal Lecter. Uh, but this is uh, in in the 1830s. It's it's Christian Bale who's really good at his job and he's really good in his performance here. It's a very subdued Christian Bale, which we don't get very often. Um, but uh, very subdued. He doesn't really chew up the scenery like he normally does. The one that does that is Harry Melling who I think steals the show. He is completely unrecognizable in, uh, if you, you know, remember that he's Dudley from the Harry Potter franchise when he was a kid. Uh, and he's really established himself as a pretty great actor too, but he abandons everything that makes him who he is in terms of, you know, the, the, his British sensibilities and is kind of this, this backwoods uh, sounding uh, kid version of Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, I really, I, I like this one. It got a little confusing at times. I feel like it, it needed to do a little bit more to, uh, 
to expand some of the characterization of of some of the cadets it was talking about because it was kind of hard to tell which one was which and which which cadet was a part of which part of the storyline and things like that uh but uh the ending the ending works uh and then the and then then uh, it throws a couple of extra twists at you right when you think it's wrapping up too so uh it's a fun movie three stars uh we're gonna go to todd next this was your idea what do you think of this todd yeah i mean we're on the same page i i i mean scott cooper has an interesting career like he every one of his movies has like one really great performance in it but none of the movies ever fully catch on as being like a great movie and i don't think this one's necessarily different but it is i mean it's totally watchable and really good I, I and like you said, I like that the, it's a period piece, but it could have fit in any era. It, like it's a great murder mystery. It has a mesmerizing tone. It kind of reminded me in, in some ways of like the Killing season four. Like the, you have the calm Landor, and you have the eccentricities of Poe. It reminded me of Lyndon and Holder in that show, and they, they make a really cool tandem. And um, the actual murder investigation goes in and out. Like it goes, it, it focuses on the characters, and for good reason, as as it eventually turns out, the. Uh, and it, and it gets wild, and I, I, I like that, and you kind of know that going in. It, it's sort of a misfire, but I don't really care. Like, it's it's how all of Poe and Poe is portrayed on screen all, all the time, and I, I think it works. It The twists and turns kind of reminded me in some ways of, like, Angel Heart or Shutter Island, which become eventually, like, classics of the genre in time, and even though it's not treated as that, as, as, like, when it comes out. And I think this could be the same. I wish I could have seen it on a big screen, because there's really interesting visual stuff going on. But apparently it's an absolute smash on Netflix, like all over the world, like number one in like almost every country and which is awesome. And I, I'm giving it three stars as well. Well, I mean, you put Christian Bale in a Harry Potter star in a movie and people are going to watch it. All right. I guess so. Zach, what'd you think of this one? Well, my first question was, are we talking about Christian Bale's pale blue eye from the big short or his <laughs> eye from Amsterdam? <laughs> We really didn't get either of those. It, his his eyes were looking; uh, they were not uh, askew in any way. It was very unfortunate. Uh, but uh, my second question was: the Is this the bluest eye, the Toni Morrison book? I I don't know. I feel like the title could have been a little bit more inspired. Uh, the Netflix thing is kind of interesting. I I, I felt like this movie was half of a good movie. Um, it it had an interesting concept. I think it was actually pretty well shot. And so my part of my hesitation in reviewing this movie is it probably would have been better to watch on the big screen. I think the production design is really great. I like the colors in it, the costumes, the period detail really seem authentic. I love how some of the scenes, the night scenes are lit with flames and that looks really, really cool. Um, the plot itself is pretty standard. I mean, you said uh, the killing. I thought of like insomnia a little bit. Uh, there's definitely some Silence of the Lambs vibes here. <laughs> The whole idea of bringing in an outside detective or inspector and then having the, the sidekick who may have suspicious motives of his own. I think this the thing that if this movie is good, it's because of the Henry Mellon character. I mean, it's a fascinating kind of portrait of a well-known historical figure in an unusual time in his life. And, you know, the film obviously takes some liberties with that, but it's kind of interesting to see. He, the, to me, Henry Mellon's the MVP. Uh, his scenes were the most interesting Thinking about how Edgar Allan Poe is studied in history, I think this is kind of like it, this would be a great film for you know the last day of English 101 classes in college that have studied Edgar Allan Poe because it's kind of unique in that respect. 
the 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 story itself, like I said, very standard, very basic. It kind of does the thing where, okay, well, this person looks suspicious, and then 20 minutes later they fade away, and someone else looks more suspicious. You know, movies like that, I can, you can kind of go along with for a little while. I think this movie really falls apart in the last 20 minutes. It has a very similar ending to, I don't know, should I spoil it? It had, It's a certain Mark Ruffalo movie. All That's all I'll say. It has, you know, all the markings of a, of a screenplay that thinks it's really, really clever in the ending. And it's not. It's a lame ending. It throws out information that there's no way the viewer could have possibly known. And it thinks it's really clever, but it's really just smug. So in that respect, I have to give this movie two stars because... Even though it was visually interesting and I like the concept of Edgar Allan Poe as this kind of sidekick character um, <laughs> who may ha have an alcohol addiction, which is kind of interesting. Uh, the movie itself is not all that interesting and I could have taken it. I didn't think Christian Bale was particularly good in it. I kind of felt like he was sleepwalking through most of the movie. Uh, I, I can't deny that if it had been on the big screen, maybe I would have liked the movie a little bit more. But, you know, the first first 30 minutes, pretty captivating, but it's a poor kind of return on end. And by the end of the movie, I was ready for it to be over. Well, I mean, I mentioned that the Mark Ruffalo movie, and I think that it feels like that movie did when we, we saw it in like whatever February of 2010. Or, and it was like and it was overlooked. And then now it's it's like an absolute classic. And I think this movie has a lot of that same DNA. But whatever. Yeah, two stars I, I is, I is, is disrespectful, I, I think. Because, I mean, I, I think you like it a lot more than two stars. Uh, it was hard to keep up with. I, I had to pause it a few times. Like Terry said, there were some times in this movie that I wasn't sure if I was fully understanding the plot. Uh, it kind of got muddled down so a little bit. So then how do you I, say that it's it's very standard if you can't understand, if you don't understand it? I don't know. Well, I, I, th I think you get, well, because it's predictable. Every 20 minutes, a new <laughs> character emerges. Like, for example, I did not understand that the surgeon was or, or the medical examiner had this family i didn't understand his relationship with the the younger care i didn't understand if those were his kids for example maybe that was some spoken in the dialogue somewhere earlier but i i missed that i didn't i didn't understand the way that all the characters were kind of connected and then the thing at the end i mean I, I hate when screenplays do this i think it's so basic to do story a and story b how are they going to connect well you connect them at the end and this movie does it in a very i think standard way but visually it's a cool movie I'll, I'll definitely give it that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if we saw it in the big screen, we, we would all probably have given it at least a higher, a half half star higher, I think. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. I think it's interesting that it was released when it was because it's released in this time slot of wanting to be a big awards player. And it's... It's not. It's a standard. It's a standard uh, murder mystery. I mean, well, it didn't get the it didn't get the festival run. Is is the problem? And I yeah. mean, which I think it was eventually going to do. All Scott Cooper movies kind of run the the Toronto gambit, and this one didn't do that. I don't know why. I mean, but I mean, it obviously is paying off for Netflix. It's. I mean, it is not like like I said, it's number one, but it's. I don't know. I mean, it, it is a different kind of movie than they. I think that they had their. They initially thought it was, which I yeah, thought, and, and then I thought it was because I had this in my Oscar predictions back in in January, last January. I think just because it's getting seen on Netflix doesn't mean it's necessarily a great movie. I think people like the idea of of, of mysteries and surprise endings and like. This movie obviously has a degree of polish that a lot of Netflix movies don't have, but. 
I to me it was really really standard and we we've said that it it reminds us of other stuff and I just I I wish that the movie had gone more into lean more into Edgar Allan Poe. That's where I thought the movie really had an opportunity to be unique and different, but instead it leaned on Christian Bale and his storyline which to me was a lot more standard. Yeah, I I, I agree that Edgar Allan Poe was definitely the most the most interesting part of it and everything like I said, everything he because brought Edgar to Allan Poe or is it because he's an interesting character? He's an interesting character. It, it, it was he was the more interesting character. I I will not remember this movie in two months. I mean, <laughs> we, we might say the the Edgar Allan Poe movie, but I, I won't. Remember. Yeah, you won't remember the title for sure. No, it's... no, the title has nothing to do with anything going on. Yeah. All right, it's, it's mentioned once, <laughs> like <laughs> in one one line of dialogue. All right. Well, well, this is. I think we can agree it's Christian Bale's best movie this year, though, right? I think that's something we can all agree on. All right. Well, we've got three stars for me, three stars for Todd. Did the wife watch it, Terry? See, it feels like possibly a Cassie movie. Uh, she had. She has not gotten a chance to watch it yet. Okay, I feel like it, she. But it, I agree. It alley. does feel like something that she would like. So, we'll see. All right. It is on Netflix. You can find it. It, Todd, like Todd said, it's one of the most popular movies on Netflix right now, so it'll be easy to find. All right. Well, speaking of Netflix, it's time to go into our spotlight segment where we're going to build a Mount Rushmore of 2022 Netflix films. Spotlight. Uh, and we, we kind of argued and debated on what exactly we were going to be counting down here or, or nominating. Are we nominating the best? Are we nominating favorites or... Uh, most underrated. I mean, whatever you want to do, whatever, however you want to take it, that's what we're going to do. Uh, and we're going to go around the group and see how, um, see what we come up with and then come up with uh, something all together. I, I think we have end. one that we all loved. That should probably be our non-negotiable, right? Uh, I, I think we could probably say that. What? Which one are you thinking, Todd? It's The Stranger. The Stranger. Oh, mm. That's the only one that we all loved. I know I know we all gave it three and a half stars, and that's the only one I think is all actually thrice approved. Probably. Maybe the one other. Yeah, I, I think I, that's fair. I, I sure let's do that. So the stranger is our is our uh, our non-negotiable pick. I like getting that out of the way now and then we don't have to worry about it. All right, Zach, you're going first. What movie do you want to nominate for our Mount Rushmore of 2022 Netflix films? I want to nominate something that I would also nominate for my best for best documentary this year, even though I don't it's I don't think it made the shortlist. It is the documentary slash essay film. Is that black enough for you by the mm -hmm. film critic Elvis Mitchell? Um, listen, you don't have to be a fan of documentaries. You don't even have to be a fan of Netflix movies. This is a, a, a I think, essential movie um, for anybody interested in movie history and the history of representation. Um, this is a movie all about. Elvis Mitchell and his kind of personal exploration, his love letter to cinema, shall we say, uh, about uh, uh, black actors and black filmmakers in the 1960s and 70s. And this is not a, a comprehensive list. It's not um, a movie that's even necessarily in chronological order or a thematic order. It's kind of just Elvis Mitchell, almost like a college professor, just getting up on stage and kind of talking about his life and his experiences watching these critical movies, often, though, overlooked movies, and having really, really awesome people talk about them. And, you know, for every Sounder and Superfly, you get movies that you haven't heard of before or actors who don't get the recognition that they deserve today. 
He'll also talk about things like how influential um, soundtracks were from black exploitation movies, not just black exploitation movies, but also indie features um, and uh, black musicals and lots of different genres. And I've been recommending this movie to as many people as I possibly can. Again, it's a great sort of introduction to uh, other movies that you can check out that are thankfully now getting the sort of recognition that, that, that they really deserve. So um, it's a really, really essential piece, and I hope people take note of it. Is that Black Enough for You? It's on Netflix. It's the best thing I saw on Netflix this year. Nice. Nice. Although The Stranger I, was very good, too. Maybe maybe there's a tie-in. I remember when that came out, and I, I, uh, I, I wanted to watch it, but I didn't get a chance to. Todd, you're next. Okay, so I, I counted, and I have the list here, I watched 16 Netflix original movies this year, and I gave five of them a thumbs up. So it is not a good year for Netflix. Um, and so the I, I, I'm going to mention the one that I reviewed on the podcast that I absolutely loved, and that is All Quiet on the Western Front. I think it is probably the best portrayal of war in on a, in a movie in at, at least at least five years, and it's... Um, it's just it's great and it, and it, I, i'm i'm glad that i'm being proven right by my predictions that is going to win best director eventually because it is popping up everywhere it needs to the bafta long list it made every single category including ones it wasn't supposed to the oscar shortlist it made it everywhere it's um uh, because i mean ev- people are actually seeing it and even though they're not seeing on the big screen it's still like you can just see how 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 perfectly put together this movie is it's a, it's a brilliant movie yeah, so yeah, Edward Berger's All Quiet on the Western Front. That's that's uh that's definitely the best Netflix movie that I saw. <laughs> yeah, that is one I definitely want to see before we do our top ten episode. I, I wanna that's like tops on my list of one I want to watch. Good. Uh so for me, I think I think after looking at it, I've seen ten Netflix movies this year. And I think I gave six of them thumbs up. Uh, the one I'm going to highlight is uh, the, I think, one of the best animated movies I've seen this year. And it's one that's getting no love anywhere, which kind of sucks. Uh, it's Apollo 10 and a half. Uh, mm. That's the one I'm going to shout out. Uh, Richard's link letter. Richard, Richard's link letter. Richard link letters kind of love letter to the 60s growing up in the 60s around uh, around Houston around what's going on with the with NASA and the space race and all of that stuff and this kind of imaginary uh world he lived in where he in his mind he went to the moon it's a great it's a great movie it's a lot of fun it's a little slice of life and slice of what what was going on in that time and uh yeah that's my pick Apollo 10 and a half yeah, the movie is completely forgotten. I don't know why. I know, I know. It's sad. So, so we've got the stranger. Is that black enough for you? All quiet on the western front and Apollo ten and a half. I think we we easily could have thrown a couple others out there. I mean, there's the big ones that uh, that everyone's talking about still, like Pinocchio and Glass Onion. Um, Bardo. Bardo. Uh, then you've got the ones that were that we hated like home team and the bubble. Uh, yeah. You shout there's out like, to... there's me time. I, I watched all these Texas chainsaw massacre. Uh, yeah. They had some bad ones. I mean, spider head completely flopped. Yeah. I did. didn't even like hustle. 
Yeah, Hustle was the one that I thought about. It's not better than those movies, but it's really watchable. I know Todd, you didn't like as much as we did, but it's a. I think it's a really fun movie that has unfortunately been forgotten and was one of the more entertaining Netflix watches this year. See, if I was going underrated and one I didn't give a thumbs up to, it would be Windfall. That that movie was intriguing. It just didn't really work. Like it was all over the place, but it 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 was something that I I do normally respond to. That did you guys watch that one with uh, Jesse Plemons? No. No. Okay. No, I, I also had an underrated pick that I wanted to mention. It's not a great movie at all, but I was kind of surprised that it was way better than I was expecting. And it is a YA teen romance called Hello, Goodbye, and Every Everything in Between, which uh, is with Talia Ryder from Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. And she and her boyfriend are splitting up right before their high school graduation. It's actually really, I, I was kind of surprised that it's a good movie. It got, it got shitty, shitty reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, but I, I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, another one that's been kind of forgotten that I was going to mention too is another animated one. It's uh, the Sea Beast. It was a really a really great animated movie that's when kind of in the conversation. Too, kind of isn't that? That's pretty much nobody's talking about that movie anymore. Yeah, either. I didn't see that yeah. one though. Um, but uh, yeah, so there, there's there's quite a few out there. And then the the the, the one documentary I saw in there that uh, I want to mention is Senior. That was mm. that was really good. Oh yeah, I didn't even put that on my list. I guess that's why I have six thumbs up and seventeen movies. Then <laughs> I liked I liked the Jonah Hill therapist one. I I didn't get through the whole whole thing of it, but I thought it was oh, interesting I to watch for that about too. forty minutes. Yeah, All I right. think our list is really solid. Those are four really good movies, and I like that they're really different. Like you got a foreign film, you got animation, you got a documentary, and then you've got a great kind of genre movie. Yeah. It's good. I like. It wasn't, it wasn't a terrible year for Netflix. Those movies are are pretty good. I know, I mean, but their the, their hit their hit percentage is pretty low. Well, when you put out as many movies, like no one puts out as many movies as Netflix right now. So I know, but I mean, I didn't exactly just go watch like obscure stuff that they put out. Like they, they put out like two movies a day, it seems like. But I mean, yeah. these are all like all the movies I watched were like pretty high profile and, and to some extent, or had famous people in them, and like most of them are bad. Yeah, I think it's like choose or die. Them. Like what yeah. the hell was that thing? Or well, then they had they had their big ones too, like the um, what was it, the Gray Man with Ryan Gosling? And, oh uh, God, yeah, I forgot about that. And Chris Evans, I never watched that one. Or what was was it, the Adam Project? Is that the Ryan Reynolds oh, yeah. one from the beginning mm-hmm. of the year? Mm-hmm. Well, and then they yeah. had they had the um, uh, well, Me Time, the Mark Wahlberg movie. They have a whole bunch of Mark Wahlberg, Wahlberg oh, right. things coming out. It's like it, like that. That's what that's what get people gets people to watch netflix is the is the Wahlberg movies and the sandler movies which is why i said the pale blue eye is so unique that it's actually dominating netflix because that's not the kind of movie that does it yeah it's they like either true, try true to, crime or or those movies they get their star or they, they get their stars to to get all the views and then they get their awards players and their awards players just aren't really working that much right now um because white noise is bombing Bardo. bardos no one's talking about yeah all right. Well, there's our uh, our look at Netflix 2022, and now it's time to get to power rankings. You can't top that. Yeah, that's the movie about the horse. I'm gonna pull an audible at the last minute here. That's because I haven't seen it. Power rankings. Not including Fargo. Can't choose Fargo ever again. Four power rankings this week. I won last time, and. 
I I allow I, I decided we were gonna do the first time watches and then we didn't play a game, so apparently I got to pick again. So I got to pick this one, and I think this is gonna be a fun ca- a fun category. I had a lot of fun coming up with my list. So this list is um, in honor of Margot Robbie in Babylon. This is the the uh, performances in a movie or TV show inside of a movie or TV show. So this is this is um, characters that are actors that are that are playing or that that act inside of the movie or TV show. Performances in fake movies or TV shows or video games. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing, though, is I I said I I said not necessarily because I because Todd asked me this before and I gave the example of and and since it was the example, I don't think anybody picked it. But like James Franco and the disaster artist, you could you could throw in you could say he that him doing the oh hi mark scene would count even though it's not a fake movie he's portraying someone who's acting and they're recreating something that had already happened so it doesn't have to be I, I i just said performances inside of performances that's how i described it to myself sounds very christopher nolan <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the true inception uh power ranking here all right well let's see here uh todd you're gonna go first Give us your number five. Okay, my number five is uh, comes from Don John, and it is the uh, fake movie in that called Special Someone, and the actress is L- Emily Lombardo, which is played by Anne Hathaway. I previously mentioned Don John on my uh, best trailers of the 2010s list, but Anne Hathaway playing with Channing Tatum in this uh, fake movie um, that Don and Barbara go to. Uh, while he's like monologuing about how women think romantic comedies are real life and it, they let like em- emotionally impact them and then they think that actually happened to them the movie looks pretty trashily trashy but like Anne Hathaway has been better and worse and uh but and th- that was a trend at the time that you just like get these like random famous people to be in your movie and like maybe be in each other's movies and this is probably the most surprising and and one of the most entertaining versions of that because uh that movie actually did look like it could actually have been a thing and so yeah, Emily Lombardo and Special Someone in Don John, number five. All right. I completely forget that there was any of that going on in, uh, in Don John. But it's been a while since I've seen that one. Zach, you're going to go next. Number five. All right. Uh, I tried to make a rule, which is that it can't, it has, you have to see part of their performance. It can't just be alluded to. Um, oh, yeah, so we, absolutely. So right. we can't, I mean, I would love to put Jack as Dr. Derek Summersby on One Life to Live, but we actually don't know if that's a great performance or not. Maybe that's an honorable mention. Um, my number five comes close to not really being seen. You just sort of have to trust the uh, reviews of that performance, but we do get a, a, a slight glimmer of it. And that is the Best Actress winner at the uh, Lieutenant Frank Durbin Academy Awards. You know her, you love her. She's also an Olympian. Maybe an EGOT winner. Um, my number five is Mary Lou Retton from Fatal Affair in Naked Gun 33 and a third. Now, it's not so much that the performance is great. I mean, she does win an Oscar, even though I think Frank was picking uh, Florence Henderson as the winner because she's had such a long career. It's really the way that Mary Lou Retton accepts the Academy Awards by doing backflips on uh, the way to the stage 
in the envelope that does not contain the bomb, fortunately. So I think she really kind of set forth the whole like Roberto Benini. I'm going to just have a lot of you know the fun and jump around when I win my Oscar. She really set the the trend in that direction. So <laughs> it was a great performance, and I'm sure Fatal Affair was a was a real hit in 1994. It was a real banger, uh, but she definitely deserves a spot on this list. You, I knew it was going to come up at some point. And uh, I'm just happy it's number five. And you, you thought I really thought about it being number one, but the Academy <laughs> may have gotten it wrong that year. We don't know. Uh, all right. Number five on my list actually comes from a 2022 movie. And I, I wasn't the biggest fan of this movie. However, my favorite scene in the Fablemans is him making his war movie. And so my fav- my number five mm. is uh, Stephen Matthew Smith playing Angelo, who plays the uh, the commander of the of the troop, who's the last man standing in his uh, in his war epic. Uh, and you get that great scene wow. where where Sammy is like is like talking him up and building up. You know, this is what you have to do. And he's like, it, it's kind of like a joke to him at first, and then he he totally buys into it and he totally leans into it and gives a brilliant performance in that, in that little student film that, that Sammy's making. So, so number five is, uh, Angelo in, uh, the Fablemans. But that's not the guy that he, that confronts him later in the hallway, right? No, no, this is before he moves when everyone thinks he's cool. Mm, Okay. I would have never yeah. thought of that. Well, I mean, see, yeah, I mentioned I like him it. like, uh, cause I, I said he's like the, the, um, like the 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 porn star in in Eli's movie in Girl Next Door, where he's like, you got to think Meryl Streep save Sophie's Choice. Like he's like, you got to do this better. <laughs> These actually were your men. <laughs> uh, yep. So. Yep. All right, Todd, number good. four. Uh, my number four comes from BoJack Horseman. It is uh, I previously mentioned BoJack Horseman in fictional TV shows, and it was, I think he was my number one fictional stick man. Um, so BoJack plays Secretariat in a movie. And it was, of course, his big comeback role because it was a role he was born to play because he actually is a horse. And um, I love the part where he's actually getting investigated for betting on horse racing. That was a really funny. That part actually isn't in the movie, but it's in the show as part of like the mythology of the Secretariat character in the show. It's really kind of convoluted and weird. But um, the movie ended up being like a family friendly thing instead of like a real drama, which um, I mean, even though it was still probably the best performance he ever gave. Because he was, it was like Secretariat was like his childhood idol, and the way his life, like or Secretariat's life, spiraled down by like apparently, I think he eventually uh, jumped off a, a cliff or something. Uh, but um, and then he he like eventually kind of screws it up because he gets CGI replaced by a different version of himself in the movie, so he's not actually necessarily in it, but he still is in a different form. It's really weird. I love BoJack Horseman. It's probably the best thing Netflix has ever done, and uh, yeah, so the Secretariat movie. Bojack's performance, number four. That's awesome. I need to see Bojack Horseman. I haven't watched any of it. Yes, you really do need to see it. All right, Zach, number four. All right, number four for me comes from um, an actor who probably is not known for his uh, awards. He's not going to win awards. He is a comic who's dying. His name is George Simmons. He's had a great and illustrious <laughs> career. So I could really pick any George Simmons movie. I could p- pick Little by Little, My Best Friend is a Robot, Cyanora Davy, Astronaut, 
spelled N-O-T. But I think I'm going to go with Merman because the Merman look is the most iconic. And uh, it's what, uh, you know, the kids are doing these days. And it's just got that great, ah, like, poster on it. And um, listen, if I was dying too, I think I would just go back and watch a bunch of George S- Simmons movies. It would it would obviously cheer up my day. So uh, again, I don't know if that's one performance from one movie, but the collective career of George Simmons pre-Health Scare. I'm not like sure it. it was a great performance, though. That seems like <laughs> that seems like picking Adam Sandler for Billy Madison or something. But I appreciate it, and I can't wait for that deep dive in next year. Not the biggest fan of that movie. Funny people. We're talking about funny people. Some some people might not know. Since you, he, the, apparently, the you don't think you don't think they're funny. Eh. People yeah. who are not funny. I I it's funny. I I feel similar about funny people to how I feel about uh, super bad. It, it like it, it's good. It I, it's just not for whatever reason it doesn't hit me right. You're not not a Jonah Hill fan. Apparently. All right. I also. People is all my honorable mentions. Uh, for Yo Teach, the oh, that's good. But not uh, not not George Simmons. <laughs> all right, uh, number number four on my list. Uh, we're going to the world of television, and there are many choices I could pick from the long and illustrious career of one Joey Tribbiani from Friends. Yeah. Um. I mean, you could go with him and Gary Oldman facing off, spitting at each other in their World War One epic. But the most iconic, I feel, is when he plays Al Pacino's butt double in the shower scene. Um, <laughs> I mean, that is that is some great acting he does. He does with his ass. Um, and uh, yeah, you're you're clenching. I feel like at this point, my character's stressed. He's going through a lot. I'm showing it. No, you just need to stand there. He gets fired from it, but that was some great butt acting, and it needs to be honored. But you so. don't see him do it though. But it it you you can just tell. You can just tell. So I thought you were gonna go with uh, him. The one I don't forget what the movie was, but where he where he uh, pees on uh, on what's his face, or when he pees himself because he thinks it makes him a better actor. Um. <sighs> I also thought about going with his stage Jeff Goldblum, play. the Jeff Goldblum one. Oh, I thought about going with his stage play too, where he gets a uh, where he uh, is like an alien and ends up going to space at the end of it. But that thing get made. One. He says that did did that play ever get made? It did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we see it though. We see the end of it, and because it was it was when he was with the with the one girl and he was and he was saying goodbye on stage. And it's like okay. so I'm gonna go up in my spaceship now. It's a different one, it, maybe that he's that yeah. that he was. He was saying it never actually got made, but it was like his his like dream role or something. I don't know. Yeah, was, yeah I love Joey. I thought about that too, but there was there's too many to choose from. That's true. That's true. All right, Todd, number three. My number three comes from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I previously mentioned on uh, movie deaths of the 2010s. Uh, but it is Rick Dalton in Lancer. Uh, Merlot. Yeah, Merlot. Not, not in the 14 graves of McCluskey, huh? Or 14 <laughs> fists of McCluskey. Oh, okay. 14 fists. Well, which is the one that he's on Al set Pacino. for? That's, that's Lancer. That's Lancer. That's okay. Lancer. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that we'll, in a little we'll, while. We'll talk about it. Zach, number three. It's, it, was, it was my number three. Okay, so. go for it then. Well, well where, where's well, it on? 
You know what? I'm gonna. I'm, I'll switch some things around. I'll make it my number three. It was gonna be my number two, but it's now my number three. We can okay. all just talk about it now. Okay, Todd. So talk about it. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, it's really it had more for Leo than Rick, but like for for Rick Dalton, I mean, despite screwing up his lines multiple times, he gives like a wonderful performance. Like especially in the eyes of a little girl, obviously, like saying it was the best action she's ever seen. Like Leo is on fire in that scene. And you can tell, like, Oliphant is pretty uncomfortable, like, as a person and as an actor and as the character, which is pretty impressive in itself because Rick is just doing it. And he probably won an Emmy for that guest role. He At least he should have if he did. Uh, it, it is truly one of the, one of the like, great scenes of, of, of the last decade. It's one of the best portrayals of, like, acting on screen. Because, I mean, to, to act like you're acting like that or where he, he goes through and you can see him get tripped up and then he's got to start over and just that uncut moment of it's just going through and showing the whole thing. It's yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant work. I I, I agree. It's, it's this, it's one of the centerpieces of the movie. It's not honestly my favorite part of the movie, but it's definitely like the most charismatic part <laughs> in the movie for Leo as an actor and for Rick Dalton as a character. And um, yeah, I mean, it's actually sort of a cool like glimpse at what an actor goes through. And for someone as vain as Rick Dalton, I think it's like sort of like his redemption arc a little bit. And you can it gives him a lot more credibility later on in the movie when he goes to Europe. But uh, it's it's a it's a great you know scene in the movie, and I'm sure uh, Quentin would put it on his top five list. Oh, probably, probably. Either that or the the chicks with guns movie thing and uh, Jackie that's Brown. That's true. I don't know if that's a movie though. Well, it's TV though. It's reality yeah, TV. Yeah, it I should think. count. Okay, honorable mention: chicks with guns. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that cycles us back to Todd, number two. My number two comes from uh, Day for Night. Uh, it is the character of Julie Baker uh, in Meet Pamela, which Day for Night for me is the best Truffaut movie and uh, one of the elite five movies about movies. And Julie Baker is like coming off some some personal issues, and she gets and when she gets to uh, Meet Pamela, and um, most of the movie is more behind the scenes than her actually showing the the product of what they're acting, but. Uh, like seeing the entirety of day for night, it's hard to imagine that her performance wasn't extraordinary, especially in the, some parts that we do see. And um, it's uh, it is probably shows in uh, the best way, the, the complicated nature of, uh, of, uh, of big productions and how those produce the most unforgettable results. And uh, yeah, day for night. It was one of the first ones I thought of. I, I, I love that movie. And uh, yeah, I think it's Jacqueline Bassett is the actress. Uh, She's amazing. I have not seen that. I've never seen it either. I think maybe I have. I can't remember. It's a true faux film, right? Yeah, yeah. True faux, and uh, he also plays the director. Nice. All right, Zach. I've not seen that. That seems like totally up your alley. I think I saw that when I like in in film class. <laughs> I may have seen. It. I if I have, I don't remember it very well. But uh, it sounds very familiar. There was there was definitely a Truffaut time in my life. By the way, Tarantino not a Truffaut fan. Um, my number two comes. It, I'll call this collect uh, call, colloquially my Adam pick because he'll respect it. I'm going with it. Could I could do it as a tie, but I think I'll just emphasize one of the two characters. I'm going with an actor named Ralph Foodie 
as Johnny and Angels with Filthy Souls from Home Alone. <laughs> and I think he's really a dead ringer for those James Cagney, uh, Edward G. Robinson type G-Man actors from the 30s. And when he is uh, threatening uh, snakes um, because, you know, he AC said he ain't in charge no more. I mean, you really feel the uh, the real dramatic thrust of that scene. And when he, when he takes out that gun and shoots the bullets and fills him uh, full of lead, uh, it's a great moment. Obviously great enough to fool a pizza delivery man in the greater Chicago area. So uh, obviously there's some real authenticity there. So Michael Foodie, I don't know if he was a pizza fan. Maybe he was. The late, great Michael Foodie as, as Johnny and Michael Guido as Snakes in Home Alone. Yeah, it's definitely the autumn pick. Yeah. Well done. Well done. I mean that yeah, that's that's like a, a whole nother level because we don't see him we, we we never see him as just the character. We we just see him as the as I, the character in the in the thing. I think there's a reason why Mr. and Mrs. McAllister owned a VHS copy of that movie. They were just so impressed by the performances in it. They were big fans. Uncle Frank, maybe not so much. I mean, he is a douchebag. He is a douchebag. All right. Number two on my list. So I had something else as number two when we were starting. And then I decided to switch it up because I'm pretty sure my number two, what I had as my number two is going to be Zach's number one. So I switched it because I wanted to talk about something different. So, I mean, if you're going to talk about acting inside of a movie, how do you not mention Don Lockwood in the Dancing Cavalier? So, uh, Gene Kelly as Don Lockwood in the Dancing oh. Cavalier, especially in Singing in the Rain, especially the the Broadway sequence. Uh, it it's the weirdest part of that movie that doesn't really fit. It was just kind of we want this sequence in here so we can do all this fun stuff. But it's the one time where he's kind of doing his own thing and doing something different. Uh, where he's doing he he's the the young up and comer, gotta dance. And he does the whole little thing, and then you you see him with. Um, with Sid Charisse and that whole, uh, that whole process there. And then um, in the club and then they're danced together. It's, it's brilliant. And that is, that is not, I mean, that is inside the movie, inside the movie. So Gene Kelly as Don Lockwood in singing the rain in the dancing Cavalier. That's my number two. That's a great pick. I, I completely had forgotten about that. It was either I knew it was either going to be like your number one, or you were going to forget about it. <laughs> All right, well, Todd, what is your number one? My number one is uh, it's a uh, Tug Speedman in Tropic Blunder from Tropic Thunder, like because he won the freaking Oscar. I mean, same thing with Zach and his uh, his uh, gymnast, whatever. Um, but. Tug Speedman does everything out in the jungle. He does his simple jack. He poses for the cameras before knowing that what's going on is real. He even bleeds his own blood. Uh, he he absolutely gives everything to that role. I, I mean, taking time off from like being pigeonholed as an action star, basically, and um, to this big, expensive war epic known as the most, what they say, the most expensive fake true war story ever. That's the perfect way to describe that and describe Tropic Thunder. Tug Speedman, even Kirk Lazarus was ex was excited for him, even though he wasn't nominated. He was giving the award out for some reason, but because he wasn't nominated for Satan Satan's Alley, even though Tobey Maguire actually was. Um, <laughs> that could have been another one. Um, but yeah, Tug Speedman and Tropic Blunder. 
one of the great performances of all time. I like it. I like it. Perfect. All right, Zach, was I right about your number one? I think you were, if we're on the same page here, which is a cager, shall we say, and uh, a movie that uh, we need to deep dive this year, next year. It is from Werewolf Women of the SS, directed by Rob Zombie. It is <laughs> yes. Nicolas Cage's Fu Manchu. I mean, you are just so pumped for these Grindhouse movies, you know, and Werewolf Women of the SS has everything in it. You've already got, you know... Uh, You've got some machine guns and you've got some werewolves and you've got women and you got the Nazis. You've got everything. What more do you need? You need Nicolas Cage's Fu Manchu coming in right off the heels of Wicker Man. I, you know, this is uh, vaguely in the world of Nicolas Cage and, uh, you know, laughing it up. It's a great performance. We see it in all of its glory. It's more of an extended cameo, one would guess, but, uh, it's great. I don't know where it ranks on the cager, but if it's not number one, Todd needs to be fired from the cager because it's it's the greatest performance you'll ever see. Well, I said last week it's number three on the grindhouse is number three on the cager. <laughs> that's okay. I guess that's fair. If it's top three behind Matchstick Men and uh, Leaving Las Vegas, I, I I suppose that's acceptable. I mean, really, recast someone else as Fu Manchu. It just it it can't happen. <laughs> not what Terry had in mind, I'm sure. Not not what I thought you were going to say. Oh, man. So, so now I, you've changed I, your list twice. <laughs> I'm changing it again. I'm changing it again because my number one was Kirk Lazarus. Because, um, I mean, I, I because I'm the dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. I mean, that not, is, oh, yeah, that oh, is so this list. In Tropic Blunder, not, not in, not in Satan's well, well, Alley. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he spends the entire movie playing a character that's playing another character. The entire movie. So I mean that it, it's and and yes, Tropic Blunder is is the movie that he ends up in. But you could say just Tropic Thunder in general too. I don't know, but I'm gonna go with what uh, Zach should have had as his number one. I am shocked, shocked that it is not his number one because this goes to a whole nother level of uh, of of acting inside of acting inside of acting. Because I am going now with my number one of Dustin Hoffman as Michael Dorsey, as Dorothy Michaels, as Emily Kimberly in Tootsie. See, that's not what I thought he was going with either. No? No, I thought he was going with Brock Landers and Angels Live in My Town. Well, there, there's that too. <laughs> but, but I mean... Yeah, those are both but, good ones. I don't, they're not Fu Manchu though. No, no one is Fu Manchu. <laughs> I mean, I respect Fu Manchu. Like that, that, that is, it, a, it is an a inspired great call. choice. But, but it's, well, 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 hold on. Does Fu Manchu really count, though? I don't think it counts. How does it see not him? count? It's a because movie it's, and you because see it's, But it's Nicolas Cage playing Fu Manchu. It's not Nicolas Cage playing this character who has been cast as Fu Manchu. But that's the brilliance of it. Is that no? Because Nicolas Cage is a character in this in this Grindhouse universe. <laughs> Every time Nicolas Cage is in a movie, he is a character inside of a character. <laughs> he doesn't simply play himself; he uh, plays Nicolas Cage. <laughs> like that's why right. he's Nicky Cage. <laughs> well, my my number one, yeah, I'm, I'll I'll okay. just switch it up. I'm going with Tootsie because uh, yeah, Michael Dorsey, Dorothy Michaels, Emily Kimberly. That's I it. don't know. Is that Edward a great? Kimberly. Is it a great performance though? I mean. I, we didn't talk kind of about this, but the, to work the, with. the <laughs> quality of the performance and the writing on that show is not really great, but uh, 
Well, the the quality of the performance is from the fact that she changes all the or he changes all the writing <laughs> and makes it a decent performance. I don't know. That just totally threw me off. I can't I can't believe you didn't have Tootsie on your list at all. I was yeah. expecting that to be on the list somewhere, yeah. Yeah. I thought I actually thought more about Brock Landers because I feel like there's more versatility involved in that role. And especially the genre shifting element of it, I you know, it's I don't know. I think that's a tougher performance, but I maybe that's a higher war performance. Yeah. All right. Or well, let's uh, pantalones. We completely forgot that too. Yeah. All right. Let's let's go through uh, five to one, and then go over honorable mentions. Todd. Number five, Anne Hathaway as Emily Lombardo in Special Someone in Don John. Number four. Will Arnett as the Bojack Horseman in Secretariat in Bojack Horseman. Number three, Leonardo DiCaprio as Rick Dalton in Lancer in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number two, Jacqueline Bissett as Julie Baker in Meet Pamela in Day for Night. And number one, Ben Stiller as Tug Speedman in Tropic Blender in Tropic Thunder. Man, this is getting confusing, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, what, go through your list. I went at number five, Academy Award winner Mary Lou Retton in Fatal Affair from Naked Gun 33 and a third. Number four, George Simmons for a variety of movies, but mostly Merman in Funny People, which apparently Terry doesn't like for some reason. Number three, Rick Dalton uh, in Lancer Number t- in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number two, Ralph uh, Foodie as Johnny in Fil- Angels with Filthy Souls in Home Alone and I guess Home Alone 2. And number one, uh, Nicholas Cage as Fu Manchu. That's all I'm going to say. It's, he's, he's Fu Manchu. That's it. All right. And for me, number five, Stephen Matthew Smith as Angelo as the commander in The Fablemans in Sammy's student film. <laughs> number four, uh, we've got uh, Matt LeBlanc as Joey Tribbiani as Al Pacino's ass in Friends. Uh, number three, we've got Leonardo DiCaprio's Rick Dalton in Lancer in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number two, we have Gene Kelly as Don Lockwood in The Dancing Cavalier in Singing in the Rain. And number one, I guess, is uh, Dustin Hoffman as Michael Dorsey, as Dorothy Michaels, as Emily Kimberly in whatever the hell soap that was in Tootsie. <laughs> what was the name of the soap, Zach? It was uh, Southwest General, I think. That's it, Southwest yeah. General. Mm-hmm. All right, Todd, honorable mentions. Uh, my honorable mentions include Brock Landers, of course, and his <laughs> Live in My Town and Boogie Nights. I have uh, Vinny Chase in his uh, passion project, Medellin, in uh, Entourage, which was uh, supposedly a big flop, but he looked like he was really going for it. Uh, I also have Baird Whitlock, which is a George Clooney character in Hail Caesar, in Hail Caesar, The Tale, oh, the tale yeah. of the Christ. Was the name of the movie that they were making. Uh, Marilyn Hack, which is the Catherine O'Hara character in For Your Consideration in the movie Home for Purim. Um, I also have uh, Candy Sucks uh, in uh, Filthy Chicks in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Um, I have um, Mark Taylor Jackson in Yo Teach and Funny People. I have Clits in the Sex Ed video in The Girl Next Door. Danny DeVito in Austin Pussy in Austin Powers and Goldmember. Uh, Philip in the Terrence and Philip show, and uh, John L. Sullivan, of course, in No Brother War Art, though, in uh, Sullivan's Travels. I had fun making the honorable mention list. 
Yeah, that was good. That was good. I had to f- come. I had to figure out what the name of that. I had to actually turn on the video game to figure out what the name of that the porn <laughs> film that Candy Sucks was in. Isn't there some film in Boy Meets World that they were in? You couldn't think of anything from that. Well, Corey does start film. He makes like a a documentary about Sean's family at one point. I was I I had thought about that. That that did cross my mind, but I I didn't go quite far that that you, you far didn't, you didn't, down the rabbit hole. You you didn't go for the the classic horror thriller killer killer. You're the killer, and I know you're the killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could have done that. Is that so that was starring Jennifer Love Pfefferman? Jennifer Love Pfefferman, exactly. <laughs> It's not me. I believe you. All right, Zach. What are your What are your honorable mentions? Um, I went with uh, Scarlett Johansson and Marriage Story is in a movie. I couldn't remember the title of it, but she flashes someone. I think it's like she's my kind of girl or something like that. Hopefully, meant to relaunch her career in Hollywood after her divorce. Uh, Cosmo Kramer in Seinfeld is in a Woody Allen movie where he says the line, "These pretzels are making me thirsty." Um, Andy Garcia in City Island. He's in a Scorsese movie. Uh, Tony from the Up series, every movie he's in. But I think those are real, so I don't know if that would count for this list. <laughs> Daniel Bruhl in Nation's Pride. I'm so- shocked. That yes, that was um, on my honorable mentions. Uh, Barney Gumble in Pukahontas, winner of the Springfield Film Festival and The Simpsons. Jack's Back Taxes and The Fred Hayes Show. Again, I don't know if they're actual IP, but <laughs> they could count for something. Um, Wichita, Iris Apatow and the girl who flirts with the guy in love. I don't remember the actress's name. Chris Evans um, as Lucas Lee and Scott Pilgrim versus the world. By the way, I was recently watching Scott, uh, Scott Pilgrim again, and I feel like Scott Pilgrim is like a combination of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and everything, or uh, 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 everything everywhere all at once. And uh, I, I don't know. It just was a weird experience watching you, this. You had a great like live tweeting the movie. That, I, I did. I out. did. It was and uh, the actors in Goodwill Hunting 2, Hunting Season, um, oh, Juliet yeah. Binoche in uh, Clouds of Sea Maria. The whole movie is basically her performance in this fake movie. And then last but not least, I can't believe I overlooked them, Chicks Who Love Guns. Now, can we say that uh, Jim Carrey in The Truman Show is acting or not? I don't know what that would qualify. As. I would I say no, that. but everybody else counts. Okay. So like, like well, Laura Lenny act- from The, the Truman Show was on actors. my list was on my honorable mentions. Um, yeah, I, th- I was going to put Daniel Brühl from Inglorious Bastards in my uh, in my list, but I only wanted one Tarantino. So, and Rick Dalton had to take the spot. Uh, okay, so I've got um, uh, Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman in Man on the Moon. Like, he recreates some, some classic Andy Kaufman moments, and he's brilliant in them. Uh, yeah, Boogie Nights, you've got several people you can go with there. Um... Uh, Jean Dujardin, the artist, you know, singing in the rain part two. Uh, he's got some good acting moments in there. One that I thought about putting on the list, but it wasn't in a movie or a TV show. It was acting in a play. It's Gwyneth Paltrow and Joseph Fiennes in Shakespeare in Love when they actually perform Romeo and Juliet at the end. I mean, that's that's it's brilliant, but it, it's a play. It's not a movie. Or, and you guys would have hated me if I did it. Uh, Martin Landau uh, in a uh, as Bella Lugosi in Plan 9 from Outer Space and Ed Wood. Oh, that's a good nice. one. That's a really good pick. I forgot yeah. about that one completely. Um, let's see here. Uh, another another stage performance is Michael Keaton's performance in his show in Birdman. Um, Willem Dafoe in uh, Shadow of the Vampire is another is another great one, but he's just kind of that character the whole time. 
Are we going um, to yeah. review Willem Dafoe inside? Like Bo Burnham inside, but Willem Dafoe we, inside? I think we've the got one to. That comes I think we've out. got to. And the last one on my honorable mention is pretty much every character in Synecdoche, New York. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> was that being filmed though? Well, yeah, he was filming it because he he was making it, he was making I like that was it just a live. live... It, it, it is like the the full culmination of this. It, it's a performance inside of a performance inside of a, a life inside of a performance. This list got too uh, existential. That was very. That was it, very... Tropic Thunder too, but yeah. 2008. If we just had that, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is now time to predict Adam's list. Adam will be back on later, but he couldn't be here to reveal his list. So, Todd, what do you have predicted for Adam's five to one? Uh, I have number five, Rick Dalton in the 14 Fists of McCluskey. Number four, Snakes in Angels with Filthy Souls. Number three, James Franco in Pineapple Express 2 in This is the End. Uh, number two, Casey Becker in Stab, which apparently is a scream thing. And uh, number one, Kirk Lazarus in Satan's Alley. All right. Zach. I went uh, number five, The Big Lebowski, Log Jamming with Bunny Lebowski. Number four, Bowfinger. Oh. Uh, the the, the 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 movie any anything from Bowfinger. There's a few things. Is from it Chubba Rain? Yeah, Chubba Rain. I think is is what it's called. Uh, number three, Clerks. Um, with the the porn Clerks three, maybe Clerks? I don't know the porn what. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Something to do with Clerks. Okay, I mean, they do they clerks. do I mean, they do film Clerks and Clerks three, so they're okay. Uh, number two, I'm going with uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. You, you could either do Goodwill Hunting 2 or Blunt Man and Chronic. And number one, I'm going with uh, Inglorious Bastards, uh, Nation's Pride. All right. I have number five, uh, Dustin Hoffman Tootsie. Uh, it, so in Southwest General. Number four, uh, Robin Williams as Mrs. Doubtfire in her after school specials at the end of Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, nice. Number number three, I have Henry Winkler as Gene Cousinow in Laws of Humanity, or uh, uh, in Barry. Uh, number two, uh, Mark Wahlberg in Boogie Nights, and number one, Kirk Lazarus in Tropic Thunder. All right, which one? Which one though? I specified. I'm gonna See? go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say he doesn't specify right, but I, if I, if he does, I'll say Tropic Blunder. Okay. All right, here we go. His list, honorable mentions, uh, Olivia Allen, played by Samara Weaving as Amelia Earhart in Earhart in Valet, the Valet, the movie he just talked about earlier in this podcast. Um, Alexander Dane, played by Alan Rickman as Dr. Lazarus in Galaxy Quest in Galaxy Quest. That's a that's a good call. Uh, Sally Reed, played by Sarah Goldberg, as Sally in Joplin in Barry. Uh, yeah, he went Barry. I knew. Yeah. All right. Rianne Murtaugh, played by Tracy Wolf, as Girl on the Beach in Ramsey Extra Condom commercial in Lethal Weapon Two. Nice. That is as Adam as it gets. <laughs> uh, and wait, uh, I think he's lab- talking about he's talking about um, uh, Danny Glover's daughter. I think. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that the opening scene of that movie? That's a good pick. 
And then um, Mike and Jerry, played by Most Def and Jack Black, in all of the films in Be Crying yeah, Rewind. We should have gone with that. Yeah. God nice. damn it. God damn it, Jay. Should have been all right. That. Here we go. His actual list. Number five. Ralph Wesley Foodie as Gangster Johnny in Angels with Filthy yes. Souls in Home Alone. Good pick, Wait, Adam. Did you did you predict that? I didn't. I didn't predict that. I but predicted it was on my snakes. List. So do I get a half a point for that? Since I said snakes. I'd say I'd say half a point. Okay, that's fair. Number four is Alice Daynard, played by Elle Fanning in a detective zombie movie in Super Eight. Wow. Okay. That's a good call. That's a good call. I kind of uh, forgot about forgetting Sarah Marshall. And yeah, I thought it. about that. I thought about that one. Number three, Rick Dalton, played by Leonardo DiCaprio as the villain and Lancer in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number two, Heather Graham as Casey Becker in Stab in Scream 2. That's that's what I I had that. Yeah, that was my number two that I said for him. Casey Becker in Stab. I'm a genius. And, and number one, Kirk Lazarus. As Father O'Malley in Satan's Alley. So I got his top two, top his number three, and... Uh... And a half point for number five. <laughs> I, think I think Todd I wins. <laughs> it's been a while. It's 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 been, a, it's been a while since you've participated, dude. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so Terry won the last one, getting him up to 28. Zach is at 29, and I just got my 45th point. Doesn't Adam have a point now? I feel like Adam got a point at some point. No, I said that he was going to get a point because I predicted that he was going to get my list right, and he did oh, not. Oh, okay. All right. That was a fun list. That was a lot of fun. That was more fun than I thought it was going to be. Well, I mean, it, it, it touched on some lists we've done before. That we did uh, fictional TV shows at one point. We did uh, fictional filmmakers, and I made a list of fictional film or fake movies I wish were real at one point. So, like, I was going through a lot of things and I tried to come up with like original choices. So it, it was a, it was an interesting uh, path to go down because there was a lot of, a lot of ways we could have taken that. I think we, I think we covered basically all of it. <laughs> I think we did. I think we did. <laughs> all right. Well, now it is time for trivia. Are you ready? Well, let's hope so. Oh, I forgot about this. John Boyd is a slap in the face. This is going downhill quick. Trivia. All right, it is now time for our trivia segment. And for this, we welcome back Adam. Adam? Hi, guys. I'm back. It's like I never left. Exactly. All right. So I think we all had stuff that we needed to report on for you. So uh, you get to decide who's going first on this. Uh, I want to hear Terry to start off first with... All right, so for my trivia watch, I had to watch the 2019 movie uh, Ready or Not. I have no idea mm. how I missed this one the first time around, but uh, this is what I had to watch. Uh, directed by Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillett, and stars Samara Weaving, Adam Brody, uh, Mark O'Brien, Henry Zerny, Andy McDowell, a whole bunch of other people. Uh, a wedding is completely derailed when a family tradition turns into a high stakes uh, game of hide and seek. Uh, th this movie is a blast. It's so much fun. It it's a it's 
everything you want out of a, just a good time watching a movie. It's it's quick. It's brisk. Uh, it's it's a it's a solid three star movie. I really enjoyed this one. And I, I can see why, you know, seeing Samara weaving now in Babylon, you're like, oh, hey, her, because I had no idea who she was. But now it's like, OK, I can kind of get it. I kind of get it a little bit. It was also great to see uh, Kittredge from the uh, first Mission Impossible movie pop up as the as the father. Um, apparently, he's coming back for Dead Reckoning uh, starting starting this year, too. So uh, that'll be, oh, that'll be cool go. to see. But yeah. Solid movie. I mean, it's got a lot of twists and turns, but you just kind of sit back and enjoy the ride. It it had a lot of like Die Hard or Violent Night in it too. I I kind of had that kind of vibe as I was watching it, so it was good. It's good. Good. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you assigned it to me because it's one I'd been wanting to watch and I just hadn't gotten to it. So, so thank well, there's you. a theme to today's trivia watches. It's all Samara <laughs> weaving all day, every day. Oh, well, there we go. Samara weaving love fest here. All right. Who's next, Adam? Uh, let's go with uh, Todd. All right. Well, I'm reporting on two movies. One, Adam okay. assigned me one, and then Zach assigned me one like a month and a half ago. Um, I'll start out with the Samara Weaving movie. It's called Guns Akimbo uh, direct, from 2020, directed by Jason Lee Howden. And Daniel Radcliffe is the star. He plays Miles, and he's a video game developer, and he's like super cynical, and he inadvertently gets cast as a participant in like a battle royale kind of like reality game where he's abducted and bolted guns to each of his hands and then he's forced to fight to the death against others including Nyx which is played by Samara Weaving she's like the best player in the game and uh, it's pretty out there it's fun to watch it has a really baby driver-ish kind of kinetic energy and editing to it and it's also has this futuristic action movie kind of thing that reminded me of Gunpowder Milkshake and a little bit of Bullet Train in there, too. There's like title cards and cutscenes that are a lot like Bullet Train. And it's like a, a really chaotic like Daniels movie. And not just because Radcliffe's in it. It's because it's like almost impossible to follow and, and also incredibly self-aware. Um, yeah. it's, I mean, it's like the filmmakers were simultaneously on speed and acid while they're making this movie. <laughs> yes. Um, it's like a... It's a video game wannabe movie incarnate. Like, there's some cyberpunk in there. Like, some of these movies are fun, but they're not exactly good. Like, shoot them up or whatever is trash entertainment. I ain't giving that shit three stars or anything. Uh, oh, come it, on. <laughs> it eventually calms down into being like wanted kind of thing where like the lead is in way over his head and realizing his full potential as like a killer. Um, Adam's chick is obviously definitely hot. She's got a Mia Jovovich thing going on in this movie. Yeah, and uh, it's strange off kilter. I don't know. I'm giving it two and a half stars, but it, but it is it is quite a fun movie. Yeah, it's a it's a fun ride. I remember watching that one. I, I think I gave it three as well, uh, three on the website too. But yeah, it's a it's crazy. I, I love your take on it. That's that's perfect. Couldn't put it any better. All right, and the I other movie I'm reporting time, yeah. on is um, Vortex, directed by Gaspar Noe, uh, 2022 movie that Zach uh, reviewed earlier this year and loved. Um, it is uh, stars Francois Lebrun and Dario Argento, and they play a dying. Uh, older couple she has dementia and he has a bad heart and most of the movie takes place solely in their apartment in paris and their son is played by alex lutz and he has his own issues as well um gaspar noe is known mostly for like experimental cinema and this is a definite change of pace we get creative camera points of view and like uh and blinking sort of thing with the camera uh you, you definitely gives you a true fly on the wall sort of point of view and uh it's sincere and yet still a really grave movie um it has the sensibilities to me of like a minimalist Von Trier movie almost. The split screen technique that they use, like one is on her, one is on him. And it's like kind of jarring at first, but you almost feel like you can't live without it. Like uh, as the movie goes along, mm -hmm. it's a really great film. Um, 
it's slow building, but it's hypnotic. And the unbroken shots just leave the actors there and like let them absolutely sell it. Like Argento is devastating in this, and LeBron is fantastic as well. Like, there's so little dialogue, but you get involved because you're even though you're pretty much in the dark at the start, it, you're uh, you just roam around with them in their in their apartment, and it's and it's yeah, it's a heartbreaking movie. And these realistic portrayals of life can be tiresome, but this one is painful and pleasurable because it's almost like a documentary type feel it's, it's way more or way less glossy than like a more was and uh yeah I, I loved it it's three and a half star movie yeah it's a great movie and uh you know one of the things about noe is he gets kind of pegged as this enfant terrible and you know everybody is shocked and, at, at how far he'll go but if there's one universal truth to his movies you know they're all kind of grounded in reality he doesn't do anything like he doesn't do like uh, boogeyman villains or anything like that. He doesn't do anything, even with special effects. They're actually not a whole lot in his movies. And this movie is really showing the terror of uh, the scariest thing imaginable, which is death. And uh, you just feel it coming to, for these characters. They kind of know it. Um, and there are long stretches of this movie where nothing seems to happen. I mean, it, it almost has like a Van Sant Jerry-esque vibe at times, and the conversations sometimes drag on because it's really uncomfortable, but it's so it's so part of the experience, and uh, man, it was it, it, it is a movie I've thought about quite a bit since I've seen it, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you finally got to it. Seeing it in a theater, and I was the only one in the theater who saw it, was... <laughs> <laughs> pretty unforgettable and really really um disturbing but uh but wouldn't wouldn't uh wouldn't give it away for anything nice that's all what was the uh, theater experience helped like the overall feel of the movie like your experience you feel well that's what i was curious about todd watching it on a, on a tv screen which is and it's on movie right now i encourage everybody to watch it but in a theater, it was. I think I have not gone back and watched it again, but in a theater, it was totally captivating, and I I would hope it would translate well. It sounds like it translated pretty well for Todd. Yeah, yeah, I, I watched it on Hoopla. It's streaming for free there as well. Okay. It's a yeah, it's a. It, I, I was immediately drawn to it. So yeah, I mean, it had no problems translating to the to the TV. Nice, cool. All right, well that leaves Zach. All right, well I messed up. Big, big, big shocker. Uh, I apologize. I an apology to Adam. I did not get to your Samara weaving movie. I was confused, but I'm always confused. That should be a soundbite. I'm confused. Uh, I did get to a, tri a trivia movie, though. It was one that Terry assigned me because I thought Terry won trivia. I was confused. Uh, it was a nominee from 2002 Best International Film Race, and it is a Dutch film called Zus and Zo. Oh wow! Yeah, I assigned I, I assigned you this as an option a couple a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I wasn't. You I thought something else. But I thought I swear you won trivia two weeks ago. Anyway, oh, Adam I, did. Adam did. I okay. What, really? He's the here, one, man. But the the what the trivia that I hosted, I'm pretty sure he won <laughs> that. But anyway, um, I hosted and he beat you. Well, there, that that happened. may be, that may be true, but there was a trivia that I hosted where you beat him, and that's that's what I'm going off of. But anyway, I'll, yeah, I'll watch probably. I'll watch Adam's was, movie at some point. Was that Love Actually? I think that was a Love Actually <laughs> trivia. No, because I that I didn't. I didn't no, host I hosted trivia. Love Actually. I don't. And know. I won that one. Talk about Zeus and Zoe. <laughs> it was the it was the top 100 films of all time from the Sight and Sound list. You you oh, yeah. Terry beat Adam on that list. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I did watch a movie. <laughs> hallelujah uh the movie is called <laughs> zus and zo again and it is a it lost to nowhere in africa thankfully in 2002 
It has 1,700 votes on uh, IMDb. It's not, you know, it's not getting the criterion treatment anytime soon. Sometimes, you know, Terry, Todd, and Adam will assign me a movie and I'll love it. You know, like Wolf Walkers. I mean, that was a great pick by Terry. I've thought about that movie a lot. Days of Wine and Roses, I said, was one of my favorite movies I watched last year. Todd assigned me that movie. This is one of the worst movies I've ever been assigned. I cannot believe how bad it was. And I like foreign movies. And listen, there is a there's a great pitch for this movie that that feels very appetizing. The movie is Hannah and her sisters meets my best friend's wedding. And it's not in English. <laughs> you would think this would be a perfect Zach movie, but Zach it is. That's kind of what I thought. This feels like a Zach movie. Exactly. Uh, it is. It's awful. It, it is. Uh, it is about three sisters. Their names are Michelle, Wanda and Sonia. And I took me 45 minutes to figure out which one was which. Uh, and. <laughs> It, they are uh, they are in a catatonic state when they find out that their younger brother is getting married uh, and they assumed uh, rightfully that he was gay and he's getting married to a woman. Um, and not only is this frightening to them, but it's also disturbing because uh, he is getting married, uh, which means that the property that the family owns goes squarely to him and his, his new wife. So the sisters all get together. They're kind of like the three sisters from Hocus Pocus. That, they're way more Hocus Pocus three sisters than Hannah and her sister's three sisters. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, That's they, fair. They're diabolical. They try to not only break up the wedding, but uh, really uh, convince everybody that this, this marriage is a fraud. Meanwhile, you have these ridiculous soap opera storylines. One of the one of the husbands is sleeping with one of the sisters. Another one of the sisters is using semen in her art exhibition. Another one of the sisters nice. has kids from all over the world, a la Mia Farrow, in hand and her sisters. There's some real deliberate ripoffs from that movie. Um, this movie is a disaster. I I don't I don't know what else to say. You only Terry's seen it. I doubt he could pass a test on this movie because there's so much thrown <laughs> into it. It was really hard in the first 20 minutes. There's just it throws stuff at you, and it feels like a soap opera. It feels very sitcommy. Uh, it was, uh, I, I don't know what to say. It, it was totally flat, totally unconvincing. I hated it, hated it, never want to watch it again. One star, awful, awful. Wow. But, but in a way, I guess it was fun to just completely trash on. But I usually European movies, especially movies that get Oscar nominations, tend to have a little higher pedigree. But this one is pretty damn bad, in the words of Miles. And uh, <laughs> this one was just, um, yeah, it was, it was bad. Was How bad. much of this movie do you remember, Terry? Uh, I remember uh, everything that you mentioned. I remember about it. I remember how it ends. I remember oh, the ending is just laughably, laughably bad. I gave it three stars, and it. But yeah, I mean, it, it. I thought it was, it was fun. Where you you made fun of it, I had fun with it. So I don't know. It's very early 2000s in the way that it, it is. treats issues of homosexuality and uh, you know. I, but it's, hey, you know what? If it's your thing, have have fun with it. It was uh, it was quite a trip, though. I'd be curious to see what Todd and Adam think of it. Although I, I wouldn't want to actually tell you to watch it, but man, I it's fairly short, isn't it? See, oh, that's another thing I had going for it. On forever. I mean, it was it was like an hour and thirty five minutes, but it felt <laughs> interminable. Interminable. <laughs> uh, Looks like well, it's now called Hotel Parezo. Yeah, that's the name of the hotel. I love that. See, my favorite, one of my favorite things about the movie is the sisters aren't so upset about the gay brother marrying a woman. They're really upset that the they're going to uh, lose their hotel. They're going to lose their hotel. <laughs> and in classic early 2000s fashion, you know, the gay character in this movie 
oh, he's gay, but you know what? He really just wants money. And in the end, it's really just about family inheritance and other white people, first world issues. And it's just, it, it has not, it's a lot, it's aged laughably poorly. Maybe that's, that's maybe influenced my viewing, but it was also just, as just stuff thrown in time after time. So I apologize, Adam. I'm sure your movie was better. Samara Weaving would have improved that movie. Probably. It, just it don't make sure you don't make another mistake. Don't watch the babysitter killer queen. And that's the sequel to well, the that's, babysitter. That's the other problem, Adam. You assigned me a movie I'd never freaking heard of. So I, <laughs> I sometimes have a hard time remembering what movies I get assigned. If I've never heard of them, I didn't sure heard you've never of heard of them. No, I, I guess Terry had reviewed it. <laughs> well, and it was oh, yeah. an Oscar nominee. I, 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 I point taken, it. though. There's only, you know, a few people in the world who have probably seen it. So, All right. Well, I'm the I was LVP. hoping for I'm better sorry. than that. All right. See, well, cool. That's what you get for messing up, Zach. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> my comeuppance. Joke's on you. <laughs> All right. Well, Adam's hosting trivia. What are we doing, Adam? All right. Okay. So we have four categories here. We're going to play kind of a Jeopardy wow. style, but we need to figure out if we, it depends on time, of course. So to figure out who goes first, I need you to, uh, each one of us is going to go around and give me the person closest to Samara Weaving's birthday gets to go first and gets to pick the category. So Wait, do we have to like write this down or are we no, just, no, you can just, it? you can just tell me January 8th, uh, which January 8th for, uh, Razak. Wait, just the birthday, not the year. Yeah, just give me the birthday. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say November first. November first, Terry. August third. August third. Zach wins. It's February twenty third, nineteen ninety two. Oh. So there we go. So Zach, you get you. Get, I have four categories here. We have best horror of best horror, egots, deep dives, twenty twenty two box or twenty. 2003 box office. I don't know why I was reading 2020 there. That's your three categories or four does, categories. Does Pick EGOTS one. include Lydia Tarr? Because she is one. I'll, I'll go with uh, EGOTS for 200, EGOTS. Alex. EGOTS. Okay. So with Viola Davis being nominated for up for a Grammy, she would be the 18th winner of an EGOT. We're going to see how many EGOT winners we can come up with. Uh, and... Yeah, we're going to go from there. This is the, the toughest category that you probably could have picked, but unless you guys know this, of course. We had an EGOT winner come in last year, actually. All right, we're going to start with Zach. What we got? Uh, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks is correct. Uh, we're going to go with... You, Terry, you said August, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Terry, go for next. So I'm closer. Actually, Todd's closer saying oh, November, Todd, yeah, if you think right. of it that way. That's true. Todd, go ahead. Uh, Robert Lopez. Robert Lopez is correct. All right. Oh, oh. Um, dang it. It's a tough one. I know. I feel like I... Elton John. That is incorrect. Dang, I didn't think he had the Emmy. All right. Zach. Uh, Steven Sondheim. That is incorrect. No clue. Todd. Uh, uh, Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno is correct. She was the third winner. Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols is correct. Uh, Christina Lopez. That is incorrect. 
Yeah, who's the oh. one that co-wrote the song? Isn't it? It's Robert and Christine Lopez, isn't it? I mean, maybe yeah, she I would get all of the same nominations, I guess. I would think she would have won it. Yeah, she wasn't on the list. I, I know that he was, but I don't think she got the other <laughs> I wins. I thought she there. was. Well, or somebody wants maybe to do it's a quick research on name. it. Maybe too. Well, there's no Christina here either on this okay. list. So, uh, The most recent one that came in last year was Jennifer Hudson, um, Alan Minkin, John Legend, Tim Rice, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Scott Rubin, Whoopi Goldberg, Jonathan Tunick, Marvin Hamslitch, Aubrey Hepburn, John Gelgud, Helen Gilgud. Hayers, Helgen. Yeah, that's it. And Richard Rogers. So that's that's that category. So I guess Kristen is... Lopez didn't win a Tony. So she must not have hmm. done the same plays that he did, but she was nominated for one for the score for Frozen. Well, yeah. yeah, whatever. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, Todd, you're up. Best horror. Deep Dives or 2003 Box Office? Deep Dives. All right. <clears throat> so you guys did a bunch of Deep Dives last year. 21 to be exact. Let's see how much oh, you guys boy. remember. How many of them we remember? Yeah. Let's see how, how many, many you guys of remember. our Deep Dives do we yeah, remember? It's, okay. It's very self-indulgent. <laughs> yeah. On this one. Yeah. Who starts? Uh, Todd will start. And then it goes back to t the same order. Super bad. Super bad is correct. Terry. Love actually. Love actually. Correct. Zach. The Godfather. Mm, where is it? The Godfather is correct. Yes. LA Confidential. LA Confidential. Correct. Titanic. Titanic. Correct. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Correct. Uh, my Best Friend's Wedding. My Best Friend's Wedding. Correct. Con Air. Con Air is correct. Tootsie. <clears throat> Tootsie is correct. Donnie Brasco. Donnie Brasco is correct. Little Miss Sunshine? Incorrect. Oh, it was the year before. It was, Dang it, it was not this last year. I, I was, I, I, yeah, I wrote it down. And I was thinking, I think I'm off the year, but all right. It would have been correct, but yes. Yeah, it's the wrong year. All right. All right, Zach. The movie where Edward Norton hires Hillary Swank to defend his judge drug charges, 25th hour. Correct. Star Wars. Correct. Glengarry Glenn Ross. Correct. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight left. <laughs> <laughs> And there's All some right. good movies here, too. I'm out, so I'm looking through my notes to see what we're missing. Oh, yeah. Some good ones. Oh, yeah, there are. Right. Oh, man. Uh, punch Drunk Glove. Punch Drunk Glove, yes. Pulled it out oh, of the 25th God. hour. Um, Zach. Knocked Up. Knocked Up is oh, nice. correct. Oh, yeah, that was back at the beginning of the year. Oh, second gosh. One, second or third one of the year. Is it bad that I forgot all the ones that I picked? 
<laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh man. All right, Todd. Yeah. Five, four, three, two, and yeah, I got nothing. nothing. Okay. <laughs> You're about down by two, Zach. Can we think well, of I anything? No one. Else? One is minority report. That is correct. Uh, five left. Five left. Jeez. Uh, gosh. Can, can you say who picked which ones? Are they mostly Terry's? Well, right? Todd, Todd for sure. I know picked one. There's a Terry. There's a Terry. Terry. Or is that cheating? I think these are all Todd and I think these are all Todd and Terry picks. Possibly you on one of them. I'm not 100 percent sure. On this. Todd picked two. I picked two. I know that. Yeah, that's right. So then, oh, Zach I picked must... three. I picked three. Todd picked two. Okay, okay, good. There we go. There we go. <clears throat> All right. Five. Yeah, I, I don't know. I give up. All right. We got Austin Powers, Liar Liar, Red Dragon, Spider Man, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High are the last ones. Yeah. Someone say Triple X. Oh, no, no one said triple X. That's the one I forgot to write down. Whoops. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> so, it. I, I didn't. I thought someone had said fast times, but. All right. Well, I'm going to give Terry a point for remembering that triple. Hey, I'm only there down by like 11 now. So. Okay. We have Todd <laughs> with nine, Zach with nine and Terry with four. All right. There's two categories left here. We're only going to do one of them. All right, uh, we're t- gonna go 2003 box office. Damn it, the one I liked this not gonna. How are we tied? Didn't I get two more than he did in the first one? He got one more than I did on that one. But you, st- well, I started that one. Yeah, you started that one. We should be up by one, two, because two. What? I got two more than he did on the first one. Yeah, three. Was, I didn't one. start that one. Okay. Well, I don't know. All right, <laughs> You're whatever. keeping score. <laughs> All right, 2003 box office. What we're doing. Uh, we're basically top 20 movies worldwide box office 2003. Who starts? Uh, I do because I picked it right. Yeah, Terry. Yeah, let's do Terry. All right, Return of the King. Return of the King. Um, the name goes, yeah, we have Zach next. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates. Okay, correct. Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo, number two. Okay. Terry. Hmm. I haven't spent enough time looking at this list yet. Um. Gosh. Why do I suck at this? Master and Commander. That's going to be wrong. That is incorrect. Yeah. All right, Zach. Uh, Freaky Friday. That is incorrect. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's a good stab, though. That was a good stab. Pretty good how stab, that, yeah. How is that not a top 20 movie? Uh, I don't know. SWAT? <laughs> <laughs> that is incorrect. All right, well, cool. I guess I stumped you guys. Um would you guys like audibles? Would you like to try again? Or no, just call it good. I think I want to hear you, the good. category you want. What was the category you wanted? Oh, oh well, I can't. 
Oh, horror well, movies, let's get, right? Yeah, it was horror movies. We'll try that. Okay, so the other nut movies, uh, Matrix Reloaded, Bruce Almighty, Last Samurai, Terminator 3, Matrix Revolutions, X-Men 2, Bad Boys 2, Something's Gotta Give, Charlie's Angels 2, Village, Brother Bear, Hulk, Love Actually, Too Fast, Too Furious, American Wedding, Scary Movie 3, and Elf. The Village oh. was 04. But I, that was, I don't know. That's that's the, the list that I had. Whatever. All right, box Office Mojo, we can blame that. But anyway. Let's go double or nothing on this last category. Let's let's raise the stakes for horror movies. This is Adam trivia. This is the most important category to Adam. Good. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so I came across this article on Forbes by this guy named Andrew. Uh, he gave very the top ten. Very credible, yes. But there's some good movies here. He came up with a list of top tens of 2000, 2010s, and 2020 horror movies with a bunch of honorable mentions. I have them all down here. If you come up with an honorable mention, you get a half a point. If you come up with the actual movie on the list, you get a point. Does that make sense? So best horror films of the 21st century. Yes. Okay. So 2000 through current. Yes. Okay. And you said there's a top 10 of 2000s, top 10 of 2010s, and a top 10 of 2020s? Correct. With uh, about, there's eight honorable, uh, seven honorable mentions for the 2000s. There's 10 honorable mentions for the 2010s. And there are uh, six honorable mentions for the 2020s. All right. Who starts? I think we cycled back to uh, Zach, well, haven't we? Technically, yeah, Zach. So it's 10, nine to, uh, 10 for Todd, 9 for Zach, and 5 for Terry. I'd say we go five, five points per each right response. We do that. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. So again, just We're at the end of the episode, whatever. Just screw these, it. Are, yeah. these, are, these are movies, horror movies that have been, been released since 2000, basically, is what we're saying. Pretty that much. That have appeared yes. on Adam from For Andrew from Forbes's list. Okay, come on, Andrew from Forbes. Let's go with Paranormal Activity. If you don't have that there, then you, you're not. That's an honorable mention. Correct. So is that like a good half? That's a that's a half point. Oh, two and yeah, I guess two and a half points. Yeah, two and a half points. All right. <laughs> With 17,000 points, we have Todd, winner. Todd's next. Todd. Right. Get out. Get out is a five pointer, I believe. Where is it? Yeah. Yep. Get out. It's a five pointer. Terry. Nope. Nope. It's not on the list. What? <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's going from three years, and nope, can't make the top 10. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't agree with this. It's very credible, Andrew. List here. Nope, is not on here. I just. I give up. Just don't go ahead. Audible. No. Go ahead. No, 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 I'm done. Okay. I'm done. Okay. I'm done. Zach, go. The Conjuring. Uh, where is it? Where is it? I smell the Conjuring's here. Yep, that's a honorable mention. Two point five. Saw. Incorrect. Not on the list. All right, Zach. Okay. Your two answers. I have other answers. I wouldn't have better than that, I guess. Uh, I'm going to go with The Descent. Oh, that's a good answer, though, but it's not the right oh, answer. Oh, come on, Andrew from Ford. <laughs> that is a good answer. What else do you had, Todd? Yeah, it Follows. That was an honorable mention, yeah. And uh, Insidious. That was not on the list. What about Us? That was not on the list. Barbarian? Barbarian was on the list. Smile? Smile was an honorable mention. Terrifier 2? No. 
not on the list. So 2020, just, I'm not going to read the honorable mentions. His 20, his his top 10 was The Wolf of Snow Hollow for 2020. I never heard of that nice. one. Not the platform. Jim Cummings. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, the Platform, X, Prey, The Rental, Pearl, Army of the Dead, <laughs> The Invisible Man, Quiet Place 2, and Barbarian were all his 2020s list. I think we reviewed Halloween. all of those movies except for The Wolf of Snow Hollow. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, 2010s was Hereditary, The Witch, uh, there's a movie that got a uh, get out the wailing train to Basan, sinister it chapter one, the Babadook, the killing of the sacred deer and Ouija origin of evil. Stupid pick at two thousands is wreck or record fam uh, fr frailty. Dawn of the dead, the house of the devil, the host 28 days letter record two. let the right one in the mist and the ring. So, wow. Record two, but not the descent. The yeah, he yeah, he, uh, like he that. put that's, Halloween that's 2007, he put Halloween 2018 on honorable mentions, and Halloween kills and ends on here too. He put all the Halloweens pretty much <laughs> other than Rob Zombies. So the black phone made an honorable mention. Midsummer Creep, it follows quiet but place. Nope, couldn't make an honorable mention. Or us. We can only have one yeah. Jordan Peele movie, apparently. Well, no, but no, we can have a horror. We can have but... two record movies in one top ten. But trick or treat. You know, we only on we can there. only have one Jordan Peele. That that's 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 that makes sense. It's right. a movie called Pontypool as well. I don't know what so, that is. So who won this? Todd won. It sounds like Todd uh, won. Yeah, Todd won. By, All right, Todd won by what? What could be one, two, or five points? It's one of the two, <laughs> <laughs> depending on the points. So, are we All sure right. Rope is really a horror movie? Is the thing like that's what it's I was kind saying? Sci-fi movie. Really... Uh, Which one? So. Nope. A nope. It on a lot of people's lists because it's an alien invasion movie that kind of a subgenre of horror, but it's not really. I don't know. That's I've seen it on a horror list before, but all right, yeah. whatever. Okay, Todd wins. He hosts. So, Zach, that means Todd hosts trivia next time and he's gonna assign you something to watch. <laughs> I, I think I get extra points because you didn't remember that you had won trivia and assigned me a movie so. That. No, I, I assigned you, I gave you a choice between two different movies the last that time. Was, but th that was for a previous trivia. See, I, I keep track of those things. I just forgot about Adam, but. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Adam, for hopping on, hosting trivia for us. And we will now go on and wrap up with quote of the day. I'll Except bounce out before I mess it up. So. There we go. Strawberries. Not the cheese. Womack. With a little sex in it. Quote of the day. All right. It is quote of the day time. Todd, somehow you won trivia. I sucked horribly at trivia. So. It was what, a really bad showing by you. It was a horrible showing. <laughs> horrible. I was first out in every category, and I think I only got one. Yeah, it was bad. All right, Todd, you won. You go first. All right. My quote comes from Guns Akimbo, which is a movie that Adam assigned me. And it is when Daniel Radcliffe, right after he gets um, the guns bolted to his hands, he's uh, he's trying to take a leak. And then his phone rings while uh, he's taking a leak and he tries to get to it. Then then he's just like, it doesn't matter. Just don't shoot yourself in the dick. And I just thought like, that's good advice. Just like uh, you know, don't get the clap. Uh, yeah. And uh, yes, you guys. And that I mean, it is good advice. Just don't don't shoot yourself in the dick. Should just be a motto of everybody. I mean, 
I, I love how you turned a random quote into a reference to Jimmy Dugan. That that makes it that much better. I, I know my audience. All right, I'm gonna go next. Uh, I've got I've got three quotes, and they're all Kirk Lazarus and Tropic Thunder, um, because I think they describe our power rankings pretty well. Um, at one point, he says, "Man, I don't drop character till I uh, till I'm done with the DVD commentary." <laughs> and and then another one, he goes, "I don't read the script. The script reads me." And like that. That's yeah. yeah. And the last one, he he's he's talking to someone else about about how acting works and going method and all that stuff. And he goes, "Same thing happened to me when I played Neil Armstrong in Moonshot. They found me in an alley in Burbank trying to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere in an old refrigerator box." <laughs> nice. <laughs> I can't, I can't uh, wait to deep dive that. That's that gonna be a, fun. Uh, that was an Oscar-nominated performance. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. All right, Zach, finish this up. All right, my quote of the day comes from the movie that Terry watched this week, Shortcuts, and uh, uh, movie I really love. I would deep that deep dive that over Tropic Thunder any day. We, um, should, we, it is, we totally should deep dive that this year. It is when uh, the character of Gene, played by Tim Robbins, he's a police officer, and he is pulling over Ann Archer's character, and she is a clown, and she is driving a car on her way to a birthday party. <laughs> Tim Robbins comes in and says, I just have one question for you, ma'am. How many clowns can you fit in this car? <laughs> also, could we maybe? I know it's the Uncle Frank douchebag award. Could we maybe? Sure, at least I was consider just saying the same thing. <laughs> Tim Robbins in Shortcut douchebag. I mean, he drives the, he drives the dog to the other side of town and just lets it yeah. go. He he's, doesn't care he's... if the dog dies with the with the uh, spray that's coming out. I mean, he's a he's terrible. Well, he also stood out in the middle of it too. It yeah, should just true. be the Uncle Douchebag. Like, yeah. I think Uncle Jack in Breaking Bad is just as much of a douchebag as Uncle Frank. That's a like good there's, point. There's a Uncle lot of good... Bag. The Uncle Douchebag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uncle Leo on Seinfeld. I like it. Yeah. I think it's just going to be a douchebag moving forward. Mononk. Jacques Tati. Ter- terrible douchebag. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on episode 206. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, make sure you subscribe, rate, review. Find us all over the place. AlmostSideways.com has everything you need that we are doing. We'll be back at you very soon with another episode. Until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.